Uncover from CBC Podcasts brings you award-winning investigations year-round. Infiltrate an international network of neo-Nazi extremists. He ranted with racist language. Discover the true story of the CIA's attempts at mind control. Their objective was to wipe my memory. Or dig into a crypto king's mysterious death and a quarter billion dollars missing. There are deep oddities in this case. With episodes weekly, Uncover is your home for in-depth reporting and exceptional storytelling. Find Uncover wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Tamara Kendacker. So imagine this. You're in a room looking at a metallic orb. It's just a bit smaller than a bowling ball. You walk up to the orb, look into a black window on the front of it, and it scans your eye and then captures the details of your iris. Those details are then changed into a numerical code. And this code becomes a digital ID, proof in a time of bots and advanced AI that you are human. A little further back, maybe, and eyes wide open. You got it? Yes. Wow. So now it's taking the picture, isolating the iris, generating a hash, testing the hash against the known database of mm. hashes to see if it's unique. This might sound like utopian or dystopian fiction, but it's not. It's the very real process OpenAI founder Sam Altman wants you to go through so you can use his new cryptocurrency, WorldCoin. I, I started thinking initially that it would be quite powerful if you could have the biggest network, like the biggest financial and identity network imaginable. You could have something truly global. Although it's been testing since 2021, WorldCoin officially launched two weeks ago. In exchange for scans of their eyes, its backers have been offering people WorldCoin tokens or straight-up cash. And they say they've already done this in 34 different countries. AI entrepreneur Sam Altman, who runs the company behind ChatGPT, is offering people £40 worth of a new digital currency to visit physical scanners in cities. Well, and Kenyans from various parts of the country continue to flock at the KIC grounds in Nairobi for WorldCoin registration. According to WorldCoin, their network could be a solution for global inequality, election fraud, and giving out a universal basic income. But the project is already under quite a bit of scrutiny. There's a black market and accusations that the collection process for iris scans is deceptive and exploitative. Jacob Silverman has been watching the WorldCoin rollout pretty closely, and he's on the show today to talk about the concerns around it. He's the co-author of Easy Money, Cryptocurrency, Casino Capitalism, and the Golden Age of Fraud. And he's also the host of Frontburner's special series, The Naked Emperor. Hi, Jacob. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Jacob, I think to understand WorldCoin's ambitions, we should maybe start with the most famous person associated with it, uh, co-founder Sam Altman. And for people who don't already know who Sam Altman is, how would you describe him? 
Sam Altman is a rising tech mogul or maybe is already risen. I mean, this is certainly his moment because he is also uh, in charge of a company called OpenAI, which makes ChatGPT. Uh, one of the most popular or best known of the, the generative chat apps. And he's become very big in this world uh, of AI and its various new forms and uh, of cryptocurrency and tries to think in these big kind of world spanning projects. Yeah, I understand he's also a bit of a doomsday prepper and that he believes in, in a lot of like utopian, dystopian ideas about tech. I wonder if you can tell me a bit about that. Yeah, he's 38 years old, so firmly in the millennial category, and he espouses a lot of the sort of messianic slash apocalyptic AI views that you hear from people in his cohort. That is that AI might somehow save the world, but also it could be a disaster like nuclear weapons. I'm more worried about an accidental misuse case in the short term where you know someone gets a super powerful like it's not like the ai wakes up and decides to be evil but i can see the accidental misuse case clearly and the bad case and i think this is like important to say is like lights out for all of us so there are of course some contradictions and problems i think with this kind of worldview but it's how he talks and he claims to own some land in california i believe near ojai that has kind of the requisite prepper gear in case there's some mm -hmm. disastrous or world-ending event you know, in a lot of ways, he seems, frankly, like a typical or highly representative example of this kind of uh, rich Silicon Valley uh, executive who's at once, you know, partying in Tulum, Mexico with friends, but also talking about the end of the world. Right. OK. And and so this is where we get into WorldCoin, which seems to be trying to solve a bunch of the problems that Sam Altman is worried about, starting with something WorldCoin calls the problem of personhood. And what does that mean? Sure. The problem of personhood refers in part to this idea that increasingly online, you don't know if someone is a human being. There's a lot of advantages we like about the WorldCoin solution. And I think although the privacy vision is different than what people have maybe traditionally thought about, uh, I think it's one that's very compelling. The ability to say, I'm a human, I created this content, or I'm at least endorsing this content, uh, that's that's going to turn out to be important, too. And There's the old cartoon that no one knows your dog on the Internet. Now there are lots of bots and other sort of automated actors. Uh, the idea is also that in the age of AI, there are going to be perhaps infinite kind of digital actors spun up on command on the Internet. And you need a way, kind of a universal CAPTCHA test almost to prove that you're a human being. And I think you have to start at the very beginning by, by asking, you know, is this actually a problem? And is this something that we want them solving? But that's what they claim to be doing. Right. And, and tell me a bit more about World ID and how it's supposed to solve this problem of personhood. Sure. Well, the technical aspects uh, are, are pretty complex and, and go over a, a lot of folks' heads, including mine at times. But they claim that they're using basically an iris scan, a biometric data scan of your eyeball, which is done via these orbs that they're manufacturing. To sign up, just find the nearest orb right on the app. You can even book a guaranteed time to visit. I mean, it all sounds dystopian pretty much off the bat, or mm -hmm. at least rather science fictional, and that you basically have a digital representation of yourself, uh, an ID that's confirmed through these orb devices and through the world ID network, but is supposed to be secure and, and solving the, these concerns that they have about cyber attack and things like that. Yeah. 
again, uh, there's not much reason to necessarily think that Sam Altman's company, which is actually called Tools for Humanity, but they pretty much refer to everything as WorldCoin or, or the World ID. There's not much reason to think that they have definitively solved these issues or advanced on the technology beyond anyone else, but th that is the message that they're selling. World ID is one part of the WorldCoin project, and the other part of this is, is a cryptocurrency, like a digital coin, kind of like Bitcoin or Ethereum that you can trade online. And if you read the language from the project, it sounds very altruistic. I, I was reading their white paper, and it says that they want the network to be globally inclusive, owned by the majority of humanity. They want it to be a public tool that enables democratic voting and creates a path for a universal basic income. And how do they claim WorldCoin will be able to do all of that? <laughs> yeah, the aspirations sound nice, certainly in the abstract. And they are, I'd say, sort of typical of a kind of techno-humanitarianism, especially one that we heard more in the earlier days of crypto just a few years ago. Uh, before a, a lot of, frankly, crypto projects collapsed outright. With this network, with the World ID project, uh, what I think is worth pointing out is that there is this token called WorldCoin. It runs on the Ethereum blockchain, like a lot of other crypto tokens. And like a lot of crypto projects, giving out the token is sort of an inducement for people to use the network, to grow the project. Mm -hmm. In their case, they are wrapping this in a lot of democratic, egalitarian, emancipatory language. Uh, I can't necessarily tell you how receiving a, a few dollars worth of a volatile token that's traded in unreliable crypto markets might you know, liberate one financially, but this is kind of the broad, vague story of financial inclusion that a lot of people in tech and crypto have, have tried to tell for, for a number of years now. I mean, you'll hear a lot about banking the unbanked or giving people financial tools especially in the global south where they may not have traditional banking access. Again, in the abstract, I think some of this stuff sounds helpful, but then when you drill down into the details, well, how does this actually work? Um, what if something happens with the network? Is there a, a local WorldCoin subsidiary that can deal with problems? I mean, is it legal in some particular countries? Many kinds of questions like these. You start to see that um, this kind of world-spanning financial network maybe isn't viable in practice. This video is a message from a little boy named Salman. He disappeared five years ago in Syria during the war to defeat ISIS. He still hasn't been found. My name is Poonam Taneja. I'm traveling to Syria to find out what happened to Salman and the thousands of children like him, lost in one of the most dangerous places on earth. From BBC Sounds and CBC Podcasts, Bloodlines. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. I guess it's worth underscoring, since Sam Altman is the CEO of a company that made ChatGPT, which is 
really accelerating AI's ability to impersonate people. It's hard not to see this as an attempt to solve a problem that he's creating, right? Yeah, there has been some writing and argument in that direction that Sam Altman in particular seems to be sort of pleading with the public, don't stop me from doing the things that I'm doing, which of course seems a a little disingenuous. But we hear that a lot around AI. I mean, if you think AI is so dangerous, then why not uh, stop or or slow its development? Maybe it should be developed in a lab like uh, a biocontainment type lab, but the equivalent for, for the computational world, you know, if this is like a, a disease or, or nuclear device. So let's talk about what this rollout has actually looked like around the world. WorldCoin says it's already in 34 countries and that more than 2 million people have uh, signed up for World ID, although they did say they'd be at a, at a billion at this point. So what has the company been doing to get irises scanned in all these different countries? They have used contractors mostly in a a lot of countries around the world. But again, I refer broadly to the global south. I mean, countries in Southeast Asia, like Indonesia or in sub-Saharan Africa, where they hire local contractors, people who don't necessarily have any affiliation with even the tech industry. And they'll go out into towns and cities and villages, Mm -hmm. sometimes with cooperation from local business or political leaders. You know, they'll set up a stand somewhere. And this has been going on for a couple of years. There's been sort of a a soft rollout. And people had their eyeballs scanned and were given either usually a, a gift card or perhaps a little bit of local currency, maybe nothing, maybe a promise of future WorldCoin tokens. So it's important to note that WorldCoin, the token, the, the cryptocurrency that's supposed to help power and grow this network only actually appeared a, a couple of weeks ago in, in, in the initial coin offering, as it's called. Mm-hmm. But people received IO, IOUs saying, you know, you'll get $10 worth of this at a later date or something like that. Um, so even just in the way I've told it so far, you can see that there's a lot of variation. There's sort of a, a set of practices, perhaps, but, you know, some people thought they were exploited. Some people got nothing. Uh, some people are only now getting those tokens. Uh, I think a representative story is that a couple months ago, Sam Altman tweeted about how he signed up for WorldCoin for the first time for his own product. But he did it overseas, not in the U.S. where he normally is. And that's because um, the company seems to be hesitant to actually roll it out in the U.S. because of securities laws and perhaps um, biometric privacy issues and things like that. So while it aspires towards this universality, uh, WorldCoin doesn't seem to be able to be one thing yet so far. mentioned that they've been really making a push in the global south, and you kind of touched on this, but there have been investigations saying that WorldCoin's collection process has been deceptive and exploitative. And I wonder if you can unpack that for me a little bit. Um, What are the criticisms that they faced on that front? I think it resembles in some ways a sort uh, a kind of MLM, a multi-level marketing scheme um, or an exploitative scheme to just extract names and, and signups and data from people. I think subcontractors were basically working on, on commission or volume. And a lot of the people who were convinced to sign up in various locales around the world have said that they didn't necessarily know what they were getting. There's already been a, reports of a small black market in credentials where basically people were signing up actually in Cambodia 
and somehow the credentials were being sent to Chinese customers who were essentially buying the the credentials of people, the iris scans of people in, in Cambodia. Wow. You know, I've seen this uh, world coin push in places like Asia and, and Africa being described as crypto colonialism. Why is it being called that? It's a term that I think is very interesting and evocative and I think very useful at times, actually, because crypto, you know, sometimes the vision is supposed to be egalitarian and emancipatory and liberating you from the shackles of traditional finance or from a, an autocratic government. But what we find out often in practice is that when crypto is brought into other countries that perhaps lack financial governance, uh, it, it can sort of set its own rules and feel like it's replicating some of the exploitative practices that it claims to be against. Uh, and, you know, monetary policy, broadly speaking, it, it is a big deal. It's, it, and is considered generally the sovereign authority of a national government, even if you perhaps don't like that government. So when you have outside corporations, for-profit corporations funded by Silicon Valley venture capitalists coming in and saying, we are going to set up our own kind of parallel unregulated financial system with our own private currency, it scans your eyeball, I think you can understand why people feel like that's sort of an imposition and perhaps uh, kind of seizing some financial and economic power actually for WorldCoin. So just getting back to the privacy concerns around this, there is obviously an ick factor to the idea of getting your eyeball scanned. Even Sam Altman himself has acknowledged this. But I'm wondering if that's rational because WorldCoin says your eyes image is deleted by the orb unless you opt in to letting them store it. So should people still be worried about privacy with our biometric data? I think certainly so, because the thing about biometric data is it's pretty much immutable, unchangeable. You know, your fingerprints, unless something horrible happens, God forbid, yeah. are not going to change. And neither will, will your your iris. Um, I think it's still hard to trust them or to really know what happens to that information um, or whether it actually does stay on the orb. There, there's been some reporting in the past that indicates it doesn't. As you just said, you can opt in to have them collect it more. And it's certainly going to be a target for other unscrupulous actors, even if you do trust WorldCoin and, and Sam Altman and, and everyone else. Um, so that's what I think gives me pause. I mean, certainly for a lot of people that ship has sailed or they trust Google or Apple with their fingerprint for their phone. But you know, this is still something that I think we should always take seriously, especially because um, you know there aren't that many laws actually or regulations around biometric privacy in particular. In the U.S., you you sometimes see lawsuits in Illinois, where which is one of the few states with a good biometric data privacy law. But so this is still pretty new territory. So once your iris scan is potentially out there, um, we don't know necessarily how that might be used going forward. Right. So so essentially, the idea, as I understand it, is. They want to scan the eyeballs of all 8 billion people and then use that one-time ID to give people crypto. But how does the company plan to make money? That's a good question. I think it's uh, backers would certainly like to know, though they also were able to buy a lot of the token uh, very early. I think there's a sense that just by simply being in control of a large network with people's 
financial information could be very valuable. I mean, WorldCoin doesn't really talk very much about its own business plan. I mean, they, they pledge to be, to be responsible stewards of people's data. There have already been accusations that they collect more data than they claim. Uh, that was in an MIT Technology Review article. Uh, their offices or a warehouse in, uh, in, in Kenya that they had was raided. Now tonight, foreigners and Kenyans operating WorldCoin will not leave the country unless with express permission from the Directorate of Criminal Investigations. This is the latest in the circus involving some Ottomans WorldCoin, which has been scanning eyeballs for the last three days in Kenya. The latest is a... Their business has been called illegal in Kenya and other places. There's certainly concern in Europe. And there's a lot of speculation that these kinds of crypto tokens are, for example, in the United States, unlicensed securities, sort of like selling an unlicensed stock. So just offhand, there isn't a clear path, I think, for WorldCoin to be a major going business unless it somehow becomes the kind of middleman or, or centralized actor it claims not to be. Uh, like a lot of crypto, the project and Sam Altman and company preach decentralization and user control and kind of a democratic governance from the people. But these kinds of projects are inevitably controlled by who is distributing the token, by the financial backers of that company. I mean, WorldCoin has raised over $100 million in venture capital. So despite the, the kind of civic-minded and public-spirited rhetoric, I think it is going to be looking for a business model, which probably means being somehow at the center, being a, a middleman in this financial network. Yeah. So I should say WorldCoin has issued statements saying some of the reporting against it has been inaccurate and that some is a narrow look at the project's early testing phase. So it doesn't reflect the real operations. And the CEO of the company that developed WorldCoin, which you mentioned, uh, Tools for Humanity, has also said the security concerns are more of a gut reaction than objective criticism. So that's that's um, their statement. Mm -hmm. And I think it's totally worth noting, especially because they have a, a big hill to climb, I'd say. And I think that is maybe one of the problems with this project is, you know, a lot of people need that reassurance. And uh, this will be, I think, an issue for as long as, as WorldCoin is functioning, is that can they get people to, to let go of those very natural questions or concerns, I think. mentioned how the coin itself hasn't rolled out in the U.S. and Kenya is actually stopping WorldCoin operations completely. But you've written that WorldCoin is part of a trend of big tech projects being launched before regulators really have a chance to evaluate the risks. So talk to me a bit about that. What other examples have we seen of this? I think the big comparison is Uber. You know, this is a company that goes into new markets and sets up shop and you know, there's a general attitude in tech that you move fast and break things or it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. Uh, there sometimes is an outright disdain for regulations or, or laws or incumbent authorities. Uh, and I, I think their sense is that, hey, if we can get big enough, we can make ourselves important and develop the kinds of relationships that prevent us from being shut down. Um, you know, I'm, I'm speaking a little speculatively, but that has been the, the general rule book that, that Uber has followed or that even a company like Amazon before, which is this idea that you get really big and monopolistic and, and devour or, or push out your competitors. And then, um, you know, the local economy or, or transport system or whatever it might be actually needs you. Right. Whether or not 
WorldCoin really does blow up, I'm wondering if something needs to change here because it seems like we're often caught off guard and and it takes countries a while to realize what's happening and then it's too late. So what needs to happen to stop that in the future? Yeah, I think these kinds of things are potential warnings or learning experiences for regulators and people in government uh, and also people in business who either want to emulate WorldCoin or do things differently. You know, we need to get our footing right on anything related to biometric data security or these new kinds of financial networks that are popping up on blockchains and in the form of crypto. I mean, we've certainly seen the last year the the U.S. government playing a lot of catch up since the fall of FTX and Canada dealing with some of those issues, too, with related to FTX and Celsius. And that's something that still hasn't really been figured out globally. It's something that's being figured out, I think, country by country, sometimes um, through bruising experience. People in crypto perhaps would say that they sometimes raise their hands in horror when a country like India or China outlaws crypto. But from those countries' perspectives, you know, they have a self-interest and a responsibility to look after their own monetary policy and their own people. The one difference I think you see here is that even some crypto people, while perhaps believing in the technology or these kinds of networks, a lot of them actually do have criticism of Sam Altman and see him as egotistical or sort of this project as as a little too grandiose. It's more about elevating WorldCoin to some globe-spanning network and not really about the future of finance or something like that. Okay, Jacob, thank you so much. This is really interesting. I appreciate it. Glad to do it. Thank you. All right, that's all for today. I'm Tamara Kandacker. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.